for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. Today is a special day. It is episode 100. Yes, 100. I was going to do a special one-off episode for episode 100, but honestly, I just haven't had any time. And you know what? Today's episode is going to be just fine for that because I have Wes Delks on from Illinois, and we are talking about a deer that he hunted all year for and he is a giant so sit back relax and we're going to start your work week off with a great story right here on the fall podcast and here we go it is episode 100 like i said before today we are talking to west delks from illinois now west delks he actually is from indiana but he moved to illinois to take a job with real world wildlife seeds so if you guys haven't heard anything about real world go look them up it is actually owned by don higgins don higgins is one of the best big buck killers out there that i can that i know of anyway and uh hopefully be able to get don on a podcast here sometime soon as well because i really want to talk about his strategies and you know his food plot seeds so we're going to get into that a little bit with wes here at the end of the podcast but today is all based around this deer that he found this last summer and hunted the whole year and ended up killing him in january so he's a deer of a lifetime i'm not going to ruin how big he is he is just a giant and uh Wes actually, he had some troubles trying to get some some property, get permission on property to hunt in Illinois because he was new to the area. He took this job, 
late and he had I think he had a little bit of the summer to get ready to try to find a spot to be able to hunt and he did so and he just uh he come up with a, a gold mine I can tell you that so this is a, a great conversation we get into a lot of cool things and it's really cool how he actually gets on this deer I, I don't want to ruin it at all it's pretty different yeah I'll just say that how he ended up killing this deer so I'm just going to leave it at that. Lastly, before we get into this interview, I do want to remind everybody to go to hemanimal.com to check out all the promo codes. Use those codes to get discounts on product that uh, you guys might need for next year. And also, we have ramped up the YouTube content again. So last Thursday was Cody's first buck ever kill on the Kiefer Brothers Humanimal youtube page so go and check that out they're airing on thursday nights at 7 p.m so eastern so go over there cody's is live last week this week's is actually chris's he has an unbelievable story going right now and uh he well i don't want to ruin it but he is successful in kansas this week so thursday night this thursday at 7 p.m eastern chris's episode's gonna go live and then the following week you know it everybody's been asking me for it and everybody's wanting to know when it was going to be there. But the Great Hambino is going to air next Thursday. So I will let you guys know when that happens as well because it's pretty epic. Uh, the edit is done and it's went through the approval process and it's pretty sweet. I, you know, I'm a little biased, but uh, it was a pretty cool story and it ended up coming out really well. So I can't wait to show everybody that. So. Be on the lookout for that as well, but don't forget this Thursday, Chris's episode with Kansas is on, 7 p.m. Go to the Kiefer Brothers slash Humanimal YouTube channel. Check it out. You know, do a thumbs up for us and leave a review, you know, on those, or, you know, leave a little comment on those videos and that'd be greatly appreciated. So with that being said, I'm going to jump into this interview with Wes and hopefully everybody has a great rest of your week and hopefully you aren't a little hungover from the Super Bowl yesterday. So, um... Get some work done today, and uh, let's make this week the best week yet. All right, today on the podcast, I have a guest from Illinois, and his name is Wes Delks. Wes, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Aaron. Excited to be on. Yeah, excited to have you, man. Um, you know, I, I I actually tracked you down through an article that you wrote for QDMA and wanted to get a hold of you, but just so happened that you killed a really big deer this year. And I really wanted to know more about that story. So the other story we're going to put on the back burner for maybe another podcast, cause I want to know about this deer. Um, okay. First of all, I mean, can you kind of give everybody a little brief bio of like who you are, you know, where you're from and what you do for a living? Sure. Aaron, uh, appreciate the kind words. I've been writing articles, uh, for various magazines and I can probably incorporate, um, some of those tactics that I talked about in that QDMA article into the story for the big year that I killed this January. Um, <clears throat> but I'm the general manager for a company called real world wildlife products. We sell, um, premium products, uh, food plot seed, native grasses, giant miscanthus which is new to our product lineup for this year um it truly is a wall that won't fall down and then we also sell nutritional products that have our patented expect healthy deer technology in it um in both mineral and a complete feed so i guess that's you. what keeps me busy okay so you're in illinois have you been in illinois very long or you know what's your story there 
Nope. Uh, real world, our warehouse and office is in central Illinois, Arthur, Illinois, and um, moved over here just about a year ago, 13 months ago from Indiana. I'm from east of Lafayette, Indiana, which is a very uh, northern Indiana is isolated woodlots, a lot of hunting pressure and moved to an area with uh, a little more uh, contiguous woods, a little more connected. So um, my deer hunting situation definitely has improved. I got you. Okay. So you, you made the move over from Indiana to Illinois to take a job with real world. And are you liking Illinois a little better than Indiana now? <laughs> yes, I am. It's been a great move. Um, really thankful to be a part of this company. And, um, like I said, the, the deer hunting has improved. Awesome. That's great. So let's, let's get into this here. So you moved over there, did you say last December? So, well, not just this last December, but a year ago, December? Yep, uh, a year ago, December. I believe it was December 27th after Christmas. Uh, the family helped out and got packed up and moved over here. And instantly, uh, <clears throat> the game plan was to find some properties and um, drive some back roads and start scouting and find the best places to find some big deer. That's awesome. Now, how did you go about finding some properties, just knock on permission, or did you find a lease? Like, what was your plan of attack? I was going to use every single connection that I had available. Um, my wife has some family down here, so um, they farm, and um, I we go to church, and I had some connections through the church that we started attending, Um I did end up picking up a lease or two, um, but the majority of my properties were either from uh, relationships that we built over the course of a few months and asked for permission or knocking on doors. I got you. So you just went door to door, knocking on doors and trying to get permission. Did you get a lot of no's or was it like a lot of people willing to give up their property you know, and let you bow hunt on it? So where I came from in Indiana, um, I was very close to uh, the city limits of Lafayette, and I did a lot of urban hunting there and stopped counting how many doors I'd knocked on in <laughs> the Lafayette area when I got to 700. Holy so, cow. Um, I've knocked on a few doors, and over the course of probably seven or eight years of knocking on doors, uh, my success rate got a lot better. Um, with that being said, your strategy for knocking on a door in uh, a three-acre lot, talking to a, a mom of children is a little bit different when you're talking to a farmer who owns cattle and owns 50 acres. Right. Yeah. But um, but generally speaking, um, my my success rate at knocking on doors was not very good this year, but um, picked up enough properties that I was – I was happy and content going into the season with the situation that I, I had. You know, so I want to backtrack just a touch, and, and you we're talking about knocking on doors for permission. Now, do you have a certain strategy, you know, that you do to to knock on doors so you're not overwhelming people? And you're probably talking to some people, like you said, maybe a, an older gal with, a, you know, a daughter or a kid or something that really doesn't know a lot about what you and I do really. So is there a strategy that you take to, to knocking on doors that you found out pretty successful? Um, I definitely scope out the situation. Um, I mean, I'm looking on, on Onyx. I'm looking on online plat maps. 
um, making some generalization. I mean, how even Facebook stock people, Google people, um, kind of as I'm going up to the door, I'm making judgments of what I feel like the owners are going to be like. And I do try and cater to that a little bit. I mean, if I'm knocking on a three acre, um, three acre woodlot in city limits, I'm probably going to wear a collared shirt and, um, make sure that I'm, uh, just your, your strategy, your spiel, everything can be just catered a little bit to, uh, to get dialed into your audience. Yep, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's something I've never really done is had to ask for permission. I've been pretty fortunate to have private land that I've been able to hunt my whole life. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's always comes that it's that time. It's it, it's like intimidating to think about like, ah, oh, man, I'd really like to see if I can hunt that piece. But it's like, you know, how, you're always afraid of rejection. You got to be not afraid <laughs> of rejection, you know. So, But then it's like mm-hmm. you hear all these guys talking about you got to approach them the right way and – you know, not overwhelm them, I guess. So I was just curious of if you found a strategy that worked best for you, but, um, I guess just making a judgment call and, and not going up there with maybe uh knee high boots with, you know, pants tucked into them and all holes and everything. And them look a little presentable, I guess would, would help a lot too. <laughs> yeah. As I mean, if you do it for enough years and get enough nose, you, uh, you develop a, your own secret strategy into what works best for you. <laughs> yep, for sure. All right, so let's get into incoming to this year. So you got permission on a few properties, and, you know, the summer is probably in full force here, and you're starting to put cameras out. Now, did you know about any deer that were on any of these particular farms, or was it like, okay, I got permission on this farm, I think it's going to be a good farm, now let's get in and just figure out what's there? Yeah, um, so just kind of explain how my situation changed from Indiana to Illinois. Um, every year, I keep a file on my trail camera uh, pictures, and every time I get a different shooter buck, and shooter buck's different for every person, but a shooter buck to me, I put it in a specific file labeled shooter bucks on my on my computer. And in the entire 2019 season when I was in Indiana, I had 24 different bucks on that. And, oh, wow. Um, and then in 2019, when I moved to Illinois, I had 61 different bucks on that. Holy cow. So my situation as far as finding shooter bucks definitely improved. Um, and that summer, I mean, it, some of these properties I didn't have permission to do until well into the summer. So it was kind of a um, no history on the properties, um, not knowing – um, where stands and cameras should be necessarily and, um, finding deer, um, with cameras, with, uh, scouting from the road, doing some re- reconnaissance is, I mean, sneaking in through cornfields and glass in a bean field in the evening. And, um, that's exactly how I found Boar. <laughs> found him in early July. That, that's the big deer that we're talking about. I called him Boar. Um, and I found him in early July, um, and he was headed out to some late planted soybeans. And um, I was set up uh, across from a pond, is a fairly large pond. And um, he came out, and I got some great footage, video camera footage, as he went down to that pond for a drink, and then went out to the soybeans to feed. So when you, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of this deer that 
that you have boar here. This thing is a giant. So when you first laid eyes on this deer, what was your initial thought when you saw him? Well, I remember that July evening as I started videoing him. And um, at the beginning of the evening, I could see a, a wheat field as well. And I had a doe and a little buck in there. But then there was a stretch of time where I didn't see any deer. And then I looked across and saw that deer going towards the pond. And I started zooming in on him. I was like, that's a banner. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and he is. I mean, just instant. I mean, I already had permission to the property and just instantly, um, I mean, heart starts racing. You're excited. Um, and there's some, there's a clip on the video where he's, he's sideways. And then all of a sudden he, he turns away, his butt's facing me. But then he turns his head and looks back at me. And oh, he's got man. this big point that comes uh, off his base is probably about a six inch point. And you can see that hook in that um, clip and his just frame looks massive. And <laughs> that's when I was like, oh gosh, this, this deer is really worth putting some effort into. So after getting that footage, I mean, you're probably just like any other obsessed bow hunter. You're like, okay, I'm never leaving this farm. And I got to figure out where this deer's living. So, like, what was your next, I mean, this is July. So, what was your next plan, I guess, going into the fall? Like, were you going to try to get after him early? You know, did you put food plots in? Were you able to put food plots in? You know, so what was your plan going into the to the season? Yeah, I actually got really, uh, I don't want to say lucky or fortunate or blessed, but um, the where he was at, there was this field that, um, whether it's prevent planting because of the um, late spring or for whatever reason, it did not get planted. And it's about a 15 acre field. And I talked with the farmer and he allowed me to put in seven acres worth of deadly dozens. Deadly dozens of, of real Holy cow, that plant. is, that is <laughs> a dream come true there. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a game changer for sure to have that much food. Um, but Starting in July, I mean, I got that video camera footage, and of course, instantly, I actually debated about not even putting out trail cameras in the summer because I knew he was there, and I I knew he was going to the beans, and I want my trail cameras to help me, not hurt me. Right. And it was a really easy property to scout without getting busted, and so I knew as long as he was going to those beans, I could check to see if he was so i debated on not even putting out trail cameras for him but i mean some of us i mean guys like you and me sometimes we just live for those trail camera pictures (laughs) so i mean i did put out a a trail camera in the summer um and got some really neat pictures of him in the summer um and then going into october um i wanted to hunt him um at that time i put out a wireless for him and um, checked a different camera that was not a wireless and um, throughout September had pictures of him pretty regularly, but all at night time and the wireless, he wasn't there um, coming to the food plot regularly. And when he was, it was at nighttime. So really my plan going into October was to chase other deer and hold off on the opportunity of boar for now. I knew it. he just at that point in the season wasn't huntable. And with seven acres worth of deadly dozen, I really thought that I had a better opportunity at him later in the season if I just played it patiently. 
I gotcha. So you you were just basically gonna sit back, hunt some other deer, still hunt a little bit, but wait until he starts showing up a little more regular on camera and in shooting light. Was that was that your deal? That's precisely it. That yeah. was the, that was the strategy. Yeah. Were were you hunting the same farm for other deer that this deer was on? Was I hunting the, that so, farm for other deer? Yeah, yep. Were you on the same farm, you know, Boar was on hunting other deer, you know, or was it you're like, just I want to get totally off that farm and just let it be? Um, that particular property is only about, oh, probably 35 acres of woods. So, okay. no, I, I mean, he was the only deer I wanted to kill there, and I, I never I never hunted him. Um, I mean, I, I, my plan was to be patient and wait until – he was he was more regular there. Right. Okay. So then, you know, waiting waiting on him and waiting until he gets more regular. Now, when was that first picture that you got or that first sign of intel where you're like, okay, I got to move in? Like, when when did that happen? Well, I actually have a uh, Excel file that I <laughs> keep of all my of a bunch of deer data. Let me pull it up here and look. Um, but. <clears throat> I killed a different in Illinois. We get two buck tags, and um, in early November, I killed a, a different buck, and so only one buck tag left to go. And it was November sixth when I killed my first buck, and went hunting in Indiana, and um, it was on November eighth, I believe. I had a picture of boar at last light it probably wasn't shooting light but it's a big enough food plot that he could have been in the plot during shooting light um and on november 8th i had a picture of him at last light and at that point i was like it's game on uh november 8th he was there at last light i know he's gonna be in that general area so from november 8th um through really the rest of november I hunted him hard, um, put in 14, 15, 16 sets, um, for him through the rest of November. I mean, he was the target. Um, so, um, during that time frame, some of them were all day sets. Some of them were, um, just morning or evening sets, but throughout that time period, I saw him on one morning sit and on one evening sit, but never within bow range. So on the morning sit, you know, was it, were you looking more, well, he was just off in the distance. So you said he wasn't in, in bow range. Was he chasing does or was he just cruising for does? And, and what day was it? Do you, if you remember? Yeah. It, the morning and evening, it was uh, November 15th in the morning and the evening when I saw him. So you and, saw him twice in one day. Correct. And in the morning he was at 58 yards. Um, he was just looking for does. I mean, sent checking and, then in the evening, he uh, there was actually a. I thought he would kind of do a loop through the woods, and he really didn't. He basically went straight into this dead end woods, and then went back out the woods that evening. The same trail that came. So I sat there all day hoping that he would come closer that evening to me, and it didn't work out. He was on that same trail at fifty eight yards. Gotcha. So then you, that that's really gotta probably put your head for another spin like what's he doing you know obviously it's the rut so he's looking for does but you know what what's your next move like that's what you're probably thinking right yeah um i i knew he was in the area i mean that was on november 15th 
I thought at that point I just needed to put in the time and I thought that I would probably get a crack at him sometime in November and it just didn't happen. I thought if I put in the time, keep get, keep going, keep hunting smart, um, don't put too much pressure on him, hunt the right winds, and um, it just it didn't happen. So, you know, Illinois, their gun season's at the end of November. Is that correct? Usually it falls around there. There's two gun seasons in Illinois. One was in November and one was in early December. So did, did that make you worried at all? Or were yeah, you the only very one? Very much so. Were you the only one that could hunt the farm, though? Um, that particular property, yes, but okay. it's it's connected to other woods that right. are very yeah. heavily hunted. So that and that had, that had to have been a, a topic of concern as well, <laughs> you know. So, um, the the second Illinois gun season is in early December, and I had pictures of boar going out to that food plot in early December, three of four evenings in a row in daylight. Oh my so gosh. I was like, it is, I mean, it's time to strike. It's time to strike. And then gun season happened and just, he went MIA. I mean, totally missing. Um, I mean, from basically the early gun season in December throughout the majority of December, didn't have any pictures of him. So you're so, probably thinking he's been killed already. Right. I was, I mean, I wasn't sure. I mean, it was definitely a possibility. Um, I mean, with that much pressure in the woods, sometimes deer just go missing and they pop back up. I mean, later on, but yeah, you're exactly right. I I was definitely worried. So you're basically going to be starting off at zero ground zero again. Like you don't want to think you haven't been told that this deer's dead yet. So you got to almost think like he's still alive. He's still alive. So what was your plan to try to get, I mean, try to get back on him, try to figure out where he was? Like, was that like scattering cameras everywhere or just stay to the plan that you had, you know, for the whole season? So um, I had one wireless trail camera that was on a main entryway going into this deadly dozen seven acre, I called it a mega plot. And there was a little mock scrape um, tree coy there that, would normally hit as they go into this plot and after the gun season in december um if i'm honest with myself my my standards probably came down a little bit i mean instead of uh, going into the season i wanted to shoot two 140 pluses and um after getting into mid-december um and being at the point where um, i hadn't filled that second tag yet I was ready to kill a deer. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, my, my plan for that particular farm was just not hunt it. And if anything starts showing up on the cell cam going into that food plot, then I'll start hunting it. Um, but just leave it lay. Uh, don't put pressure on it. Leave it alone and keep on watching the cell cam. But and the cell cam died um, probably sometime around Christmas time, maybe a little after and I went through about, oh, probably five, six days of not getting pictures. And that's really when the final hunt actually happened is I was going to the farm, going down a farm lane to switch out the cell cam to change batteries or, I mean, put up a different cell. Actually, I just got a, a covert cell cam for Christmas. So I was going to switch out the cameras. Okay. So so just to go back real quick, so around Christmas, you weren't getting pictures on the camera at all. So you're thinking – 
something's wrong with the camera. Is that is that how it went? I I mean I figured my battery's just dead. right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So then you were yeah. just going out there. You got a new camera for Christmas, and you're just going to switch it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Exactly. So I was going to change the switch out the cell cams, and was driving down the the farm road to go get into this property, and I saw a good deer bedded along the road. And there was a couple other little dinks with them, and there's a few does, but instantly, I I mean, it was probably like two o'clock in the afternoon. I turned around, busted butt, got back to my house, took a sentinel shower, grabbed my bow, and grabbed a lone wolf stand and sticks. I mean, I didn't have any of that stuff with (laughs) me. So, I mean, I was instantly coming up with a plan. I mean, I know where, if you know where a good buck is bedded, particularly during late season, straight. (laughs) Did you know it was him though at the time or did you just know it was a good deer? I just knew it was a good deer. I couldn't be confident on who it was. Okay. Um, I just, I saw the frame and just said to myself, shooter. (laughs) Yep. So, um, wasn't exactly sure on who it was. Uh, There's another decent deer in that woods that I thought it might be. But, um, like I said, I grabbed my, my bow, lone wolf standing sticks, and I knew where the deer were bedded at. I knew there was a pretty good group of them there. And I thought I knew where they would go. I mean, seven acres worth of food. Um, I thought they'd be headed out to that deadly dozen. So I took a long walk, um, to a point where I normally wouldn't have sat with that wind direction. But it was it was time to get ballsy. I mean, it was yep. time to get aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that late in the season, I mean, um, uh, I hung a stand and got set up. And hour and a half later, he came. He came, this deer that was bedded came at you an hour and a half later. Yep. What are you kidding me right now? So, <laughs> holy cow! So, you 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 hang the stand, you get in it. Have you have you seen any deer before this? No, did not see a single deer that evening. Um, and the first and only deer I saw on that set was him. Okay, so uh, explain the setup a little bit. Were you right on the edge of this food plot, or were you like in the timber between the food plot and where they were bedded? I'm about fifty to seventy yards off of the food plot, and. I'm set up in between where they're bedded and where I think they're going to the food plot. And I'm probably 150 to 200 yards from where the deer bedded. Oh my gosh. Okay. I I just, I just barely got off. I didn't want to get too far into the timber. Just barely got off um, the field edge and got set up. So did you, did you set up on like a heavy use, heavily used trail or was it just like, Oh, that's a good tree. I think he's going to come through here. I'm just going to pop it up here. Or, or was it like that? Or was it, you know, a pretty heavily used area? Um, it, it really had to do with two things more than anything. It was one, I mean, it was the, the it was the direct line from bedding to food and then secondly, um, I feel like bucks like to work the downwind side of cover as they head a certain direction. And it was a south to southwest wind that evening, and this was the northern side of that wood lot. Okay, I see. Wow, okay, so you're in the stand, you're up there, and all of a sudden you see a deer moving your way, so take it from there. 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, like I said, I, I was in a, a stand that I had hung that day and I'm only probably 12 foot off the ground. And what I kind mean, of tree just, you're in? I'm in a forked tree and I'm sitting in the fork. I can't remember what kind of tree it was, but there was that fork provided some cover, but I, I'm just wearing a black Under Armour. Um, I mean, it was a pretty warm day. Um, the deer cast app said it was supposed to be poor. Pressure was down and temps were up. Uh, <laughs> but hey, if you know where good ones bedded, you got to go. Exactly. Because so, this was in January, right? This was less than a month ago. So there's yeah, like January 2nd. Yeah, there's no foliage on the trees or nothing. You're like sitting no. out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. So there was a few, like I said, that fork and it, I. I really like, instead of being high in a tree, I really like to be in cover. And if that covers the eight foot or 28 foot, that's where I like to be. Okay. I got you. So, um, I was about 12 foot off the ground and I'm kind of at the top of a hill and there's a Creek crossing where I had gotten his picture a couple times throughout November. And, um, I see a deer at that Creek crossing and I saw a rack. I'm like, okay, I think that's a pretty good buck. I'll go ahead and stand up in case it's a good buck. So I stood up and grabbed my uh, bow off a limb. And then there's a point where they're coming up a hill uh, onto a flat and I can't see them. So I I don't know what deer it is. And then he pops over that hill and he's at 50 yards facing me. Oh and at, at that moment, I started shaking. And I, I was like, "Oh gosh, that's a good deer. That, that's born. That's born." So you knew right so, then it was it was him. Then, yeah, I knew who it was right then. Oh yeah, gosh. I mean, at fifty yards, I mean, there was only one deer of that caliber in the area. Yep, and uh, I knew who it was. So, um, and he actually, uh, there's a squirrel that was going nuts like i mean the squirrel was just frant it was like he was looking for the last acorn in the woods i mean just scrambling all over the woods and boar is like locked onto that squirrel like what is that and and he kind of there's two trails there when he when he pops up that hill at 50 yards and he could have taken the trail that would have put him in a, probably 40 yards out or there was another trail that he ended up taking. And I really think that, uh, that squirrel just kind of made him nervous. <laughs> like, it, I mean, the squirrel was just going nuts and he yep. just was, I mean, he was pegged on that squirrel. Like what, what's going on over there? And so he takes this trail that from 50 yards until 10 yards, he's not looking at me, but his chest is directly at me. Yep. So, I mean, he's at 10 yards and I have no shot. Oh man. And then, and keep in mind, I'm only 12 foot off the ground. So, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with him yeah. and, um, he ends up walking five yards and might not even been five yards. I mean, he was five yards, uh, on the left side of my tree. So perfect for a right-handed bow hunter. And I mean, I basically am shooting straight down at that point and put one right through his heart. Oh my gosh. So it was a complete pass through. Yep. Complete pass through. Um, well, <clears throat> It, it passed through, but he broke off the fletching side in his cavity. Okay. So the, the fletching was actually in his cavity when I found him, but yeah, got a pass through. So he runs off. Do you see him drop or anything like that? 
No, he he take he went probably sixty or seventy yards, and I see him. I mean, he looked unstable at probably sixty or seventy yards, and he went into a few little trees. And the way he was running, and I mean, I knew exactly where I hit him. I I was like, he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> so <laughs> so did, did you yell <laughs> out loud? <laughs> uh, I called my brother and about lost it. <laughs> that's awesome man i called even uh the celebrations began yeah i mean at that point i i knew he was dead so did you wait to get down and go get him or was it like one of those things like i'm getting down i gotta go find blood i'm gonna get on him well i i did like i said i didn't see him drop but i knew where the shot was and i knew he was going down and i still had over an hour left of light I mean, this was early in the early, evening. Yep. Yep. And so I went ahead and gave it probably a half an hour before I got down and, I mean, followed the red carpet right to him. Oh, my gosh, man. What was your thoughts when you walked up on him? <laughs> the same thing I thought when I videoed him for the first time. <laughs> that's a booner. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. So is this your biggest deer to date? Certainly. By 25 inches. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what did he end up scoring? 176 holy tornado man i'm looking at the picture still it was he a 13 point and just a really big frame huge bases and lots of mass yeah main frame 10 uh three extras uh off his bases and a split brow um one of one of his bases is over six the other one isn't quite but good spread um he doesn't wrap a lot he doesn't have extremely long main beams but and he's really not very uh, tall tined. He's just, I mean, he's wide and he's heavy. Yeah, he's such a stud, man. That's awesome. Congratulations to you. <laughs> Thank you. That's Thank great. You. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I had this, the reason why I ask about your, um, your celebration is because I killed my biggest year this year in Iowa by a long shot. And congrats. Thank you. And the, I, the thing is, is like in, in that moment, I black out. I don't even know. <laughs> Actually, today I'm I'm wrapping up the edit on it because we're going to be pushing it out here soon on YouTube and everything. And to to relive, like there was things I was saying that I'm like, why did I why did I say that? I've never said that before in my life. Like <laughs> we just set the world on fire. And I'm like, why did I say that? I, I I have no idea. Like I blacked out, you know. And yeah, unbelievable. I I said the same thing to my wife the other night. It, I said, yeah, I, I said a couple things that I don't normally say. Yeah, yep. you know, that's that's great, though, man. Congratulations again. That Thanks. That is a deer of a lifetime, and, I mean, that's that's awesome. For you, that's a crazy story, though, to be driving. You were driving back there when you first saw him, right? You were in a vehicle? Yep, yep. So to be driving yeah, and seeing, seeing him, and were they be- all bedded? Yep, um, they were all bedded when I drove by. He actually stood up, um, but I could tell he wasn't spooked or anything. Yeah. So I, I thought they'd be right there. So yeah. then you had to drive back by him, though, didn't you? Yep. Oh, so man. drove back by. That's crazy. Um, and didn't see him that second time, but I I mean, I knew he had to be right there. So Wow. Unbelievable, man. That's crazy. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, to to change gears a little bit, I do want to ask you a little bit about real world wildlife seed and, and everything you guys offer, and and uh, I want to pick your brain a little bit here for the next maybe ten fifteen minutes about something I want to do next year for a food plot for uh, October. What would be the best um, blend or best thing to be planning for in October? You know, a lot of October hunting because in my my scenario, I I'm never in Michigan to hunt the rut because I'm always filming and we're traveling and stuff like that. So my, my biggest time is to be able to hunt Michigan in, in October. And, and I want to pick your brain about possibly what you think is the best uh, blends to have and for uh, for an October sit. So um, two things come to mind, what I tell people. And basically <clears throat> um, my answer to that question is if it's less than one acre, I'd be planting deadly dozen. It's 12 different species that peak in palatability at different times of the year. It's got uh, three cereal grains, an Austrian winter pea, and brassicas in it. Um, If it's over one acre, I'd be planting it in our Generation 2 soybeans. And then um, throughout, if if you're close enough to the plot, throughout August and September, uh, before rains, I like to go in there and broadcast our oats or harvest salad. Uh, our salad of cereal grains and broadcast uh, some some cereal grains as the leaves are falling off uh, before some rains to get some greens and grains in that plot at the same time. So, I got you. Okay. Basically, my my response to that is is it over is it under over one acre and then um, depending on that, either deadly dozen or soybeans with some um, some greens broadcast into it. Gotcha. Yeah. The the the, the spot i got's kind of like a little poor man plot it's not even a quarter acre it's a okay. real small tiny kill plot on the edge of a of an ag field it's in between it's it's like a little corner of about four acres of timber that um the trees just didn't grow very well mm-hmm. so it's like the corners kind of cut out of it but there's ag on the sides that there's ag on two sides that there isn't timber so it's like a hidey hole once there's corn it's like a hidey hole like a little kill plot so cool cool yeah yeah um i'd be going with deadly dozen for sure then. gotcha well what else do you guys offer then i know you kind of touched on it a little bit before you know we got into the story here like what uh what are some other things you guys offer so our giant miscanthus is new to real world for this year and uh the website sales for it are exploding right now we'll start sending that out in late march and what that is aaron uh, giant miscanthus if you haven't heard of it before is it's a plant that um the the seed heads are sterile so um we're we're not selling seed it's not seed um, that grows giant miscanthus it's rhizomes and so it's root propagated and so those rhizomes are probably four to six inches in size and each rhizome, the first year when planted, and you need to plant them about three to four inches deep, um, will produce probably about five stalks. And those stalks will get about shoulder to head high. And um, what you want to do with giant miscanthus is um, create either a screen or a pinch point or structure within native grasses. It's a plant that uh, when it's fully mature, gets 13 to 14 foot tall and has the structure of, of like bamboo. I mean, it's just, uh, we wanted to have an annual screen product 
or a, excuse me, a screening product. And we tested a lot of annuals, Egyptian wheats and sorghums and dangrasses and things like that. And just, I mean, honestly, I mean, by late November, early December, those products are lucky if they're waist high. I mean, four foot high. Really? Um, looks fantastic um, in, the, in the summer months, but those annual screens do not hold up in the winters. And if you're still hunting late season, I mean, this, I mean, late November, December, and January, and you want a screening product, giant miscanthus is a game changer. So is that something that you can plant in the timber as well? No, you really want uh, sites that are uh, heavily, uh, a lot of sun. Um, you don't want sites that are uh, too wet. It's a species that, I mean, if, if you've got a food plot or um, an old ag field, it's going to do best in um, locations that are um, well-drained and high sun. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I've got a spot where I want to make some, uh, put some, uh, borders to access a, a stand but the thing is it's I'm coming in on the edge of a ag field and it's a small acre it's like a small yeah. piece of timber and and the inside I can't plant anything on the the ag side but I could plant something with inside the timber and I don't know what to do yet because I have a yeah. lot of hinge cutting already in there I've opened the canopy up the last two years like crazy um so it's something that I want to I want to do something to make a wall where I can, yeah, you know, access the stand. Yeah, and here in Illinois, where we, I mean, throughout the season or, or any time in the year for that matter, throughout the year we can't use uh, mineral, we can't use bait even in postseason. So, um, giant miscanthus. I mean, the, those screens. Another great thing about them is they can help you create some pinch points yep. where. I mean, that at that pinch point, bucks are, uh, I mean, deer entering into the food plot and you put a tree koi or some kind of mock scrape to, um, to, I mean, get deer to work off their communal behaviors and they're hitting a licking branch or something like that right off the end of that screen and great way to get pictures. That's awesome. Yeah, that's something I'm going to have to look into and I might pick your brain a little bit more on it on a different time just to kind of see or some different options that I might be able to do there to sure to benefit me. So, well, man, yeah. I want to, I want to thank you for coming on and doing this. We are coming up on time here and, uh, I just want to tell you, I appreciate it. And I mean, congratulations again on a, on a great deer and, and, uh, we should keep in touch and maybe be able to do this yeah. again. Yep. Thanks for the opportunity. Give me a call anytime. Thanks man. I appreciate it. Thanks Aaron. And there you have it, West Delks from Illinois. What an unbelievable story. And uh, I just love these stories, you know. Talking to other hunters about whitetail hunting, I, I just love it. I could do it for hours on end. And I guess that's why I started the podcast, because I just love doing that. And any way I can have an excuse to talk about hunting, I'm going to do it. So uh, I want to leave you guys with thank you for the support uh, on the podcast and the listening and the downloads. Go to iTunes or Apple podcast Podbean, wherever leave a review and leave a five-star rating. It's greatly appreciated. And also don't forget, I said it in the beginning of the podcast and I'm going to say it now. 
We are doing the episodes right now on Kiefer Brothers slash Humanimal YouTube channel, 7 p.m. Eastern on Thursday night. So go check those out as well as all of our other content on our YouTube channel. So we're going to start rolling out more content on there and hopefully everybody likes it. So I'm going to leave you with that long-winded. Everybody, hopefully you have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.